The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Good evening and welcome to this special edition of Talk in the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live Studios in Eggleston Square, where tonight on the Boston Neighborhood Network, well, 90 minutes of live coverage from today's primary election here in the city and also some statewide results. We hope to have all of them for you before we close out the show tonight. We have some very special guests joining us as, as well to analyze the results, and especially in the first segment here, uh, an old friend, uh, of course, she is the mayor of the city of Boston, and now the former mayor of the city of Boston. Kim Janey will be joining us, and we'll catch up on the latest from her, what she's doing these days. All that and more tonight on this special edition of Talk to the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. elections in Boston today, but puddles and gray skies greeted early voters at the polls. Nonetheless, a little rain won't deter Boston residents from making their voices heard in several tight races happening throughout the city. From 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., voters can cast their in-person ballots at registered polling locations. BNN News caught up with several voters who shared what issues are most important to them in the September 6th primary. We need more police protection and more time to stop this, more homicide. That's what we need in, in, the, in the peoples that are killing up unnecessary peoples for nothing. What I think we need is a um, better sense of community. We need more people to come out and vote uh, to really get their opinions through. We need um, more focus on education and we need more housing um, for um, affordable housing too invite more people into our community. What we really need is uh, clean up the streets here, um, get people homes, a lot of homeless people around here. We need better education, more teachers, better pay for the teachers, uh, and, and, and things for kids to do after school, keep them off the streets and keep them out of trouble. A lot of, a lot of ways to make the community better. I think what we really need is people who are willing to collaborate and work together um, across the aisle, across you know whatever different belief systems to find you know, solutions and, and ways to 
to make things better for people who live in the city of Boston? Uh, I think right now we need uh, a lot more like after school programming for children. I think uh, a lot of kids right now in Boston are limited with like places to go or like knowledge of places to attend. Um, and that way they kind of get off the street and are able to kind of enroll in extracurricular activities that are ultimately going to benefit them in adulthood. And that's what some of the voters were saying today uh, as the uh, primary election unfolded. Of course, the polls just closed approximately 30 minutes ago. We're going to have with us tonight all the results. They're still coming in, so we don't have them now. But we do have a very special guest joining us. And uh, you recognize her. Of course, she is now uh, she's the mayor, was the mayor of the city of Boston, now the former mayor. And, uh, uh, of course, Kim Janey, well known now to everybody in the city of Boston. We're so pleased to have you're joining us tonight. Thank Thanks you. so much for Thank coming. Thank you in. so much. Always nice, a pleasure. Nice to see you, Kim. Uh, tell us. So, uh, what are you doing these days? You know, everybody wonders, and you know, I think uh, everybody became very fond of you stepping in uh, to take the mayor's uh, office when Marty Walsh uh, uh, left to become Secretary of Labor. I mean, what a what a spot to be put in. I think that's fair to say, and you performed admirably. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I love my city, and it was my honor uh, to serve as mayor for, for most of 2021 mm -hmm. and to lead our city during very difficult times. Um, and, you know, and many of the issues that we were working on and, and fighting uh, for uh, during that election and certainly throughout my career in elected office and yeah. prior to that in the nonprofit yeah. space are issues that I am still working on. Yeah. So I am currently... Uh, the president and CEO of a national nonprofit. It is called EMPATH. It stands for Economic Mobility Pathways. Uh, so we do uh, important work here locally, uh, but we have partners all across the nation. It's a very unique approach. We are using a direct service delivery along with research and advocacy and our global learning uh, network to uh, improve the lives of people who live in poverty. And our method has been uh, proven to work, and so um, really excited about this work to disrupt poverty. Well, you, you always, and I remember from uh, uh, the first, well, actually, when you first ran for uh, the District 7 Council seat, and then, of course, uh, when you became mayor, uh, talking about equity and how important that was to you. And I, I think uh, you're the first person that really raised that as their number one issue. And, it sounds like you'll be able to continue working Absolutely. on Absolutely. How did you uh, come to, I, and I know you did uh, a brief stint at Harvard after uh, leaving office, uh, but how did you come to uh, this organization? Well, you know, the wonderful thing about this organization, it, is, it has uh, an amazing history. So the organization is almost 200 years old. Wow. Uh, Empath was formed when two incredible organizations merged. So you're probably familiar with the Women's uh, Educational Industrial sure. oh, Union yes, yes. and uh, Crittenden Hastings House. Yes. So they merged uh, back in 2006 and they formed uh, Empath. Uh, Crittenden was an organization that was there for me as a young single mom. Mm. And so this moment is a full circle moment now that I am no longer a young single mom, a, a new mom, trying to figure things out. Um, Forty years later, I'm now leading the organization as its president and CEO. So it is a wonderful full circle moment. Yeah. And coming back to the nonprofit sector as well, I have yeah. my roots there, 25 yeah. years 
of work in the nonprofit sector. And uh, are you or will you be staying primarily in, in Boston? Will we be seeing more of you? Uh, um, well, I am here. I live in Boston. Yeah. I love my city. Yeah. Um, I am so back home in Roxbury. Like I was in, in Cambridge for a semester yeah. uh, during the spring <laughs> semester during my fellowship at the Kennedy School. Um, but yes, I will be here, but also traveling. I just got back from San, uh, San Antonio, Texas. Um, as I mentioned, we have about 150 partners all across the country. Uh, some are city, state government, mm -hmm. some are human service organizations, other nonprofits, academia, different partners uh, all over the country who are using mobility mentoring, uh, which is a, a, a mentoring uh, system that we developed at Empath to help uh, folks who are living in poverty um, goal set and achieve economic independence. Well, I know Curtin and Hastings and, and the Women's Industrial Education Union, I'm not sure if I got the words uh, in the right order there, but uh, they've done wonderful work yes. over the years. So uh, congratulations Thank on that. You. You know, it's Thank nice you. It's nice to see you uh, uh, land on your feet. Of course, why wouldn't you? But uh, what did you see out there today, speaking about bringing it full circle. Uh, yes. Some um, very interesting races well, out there. Uh, how much do you think the rain will uh, You know, rain is you? always a factor. Um, unfortunately, it rains often on election yeah. days. <laughs> uh, the good news in all of this is that folks have more than one day to vote now. So we can vote by mail. We can do early voting, uh, which are fairly new developments sure. um, that we've seen really since uh, COVID. I know our first time with early voting was in 2016, but it was COVID in 2020 that really kind of forced us uh, to, to make voting more accessible. It should have been more accessible because we shouldn't need a pandemic uh, to make voting more accessible. That should be um, a fundamental principle of our democracy is, is making sure that our elections are fair and accessible to the public. But here we are, and so even though it rained today and turnout was I think slow and steady. Um, the good news in that is that people had um, other opportunities to get their ballots in. So hopefully we'll see between the yeah. early voting uh, and today um, some excitement well, that a race like this should garner. It certainly should. And uh, just a reminder to our viewers, uh, uh, the polls just closed at 8 and uh, we're expecting some results, some preliminary results shortly and we'll be bringing those to you as we get them. Uh, the, I saw that the Secretary of State, Bill Galvin, said that perhaps as many as one half of the Democratic primary voters could have voted early and as many as a third of the Republican voters could have voted 30, which could dramatically change, uh, you know, the outcome, especially as, you know, some of the, a variety of charges and counter charges have, have kind of been uh, tossed around. Uh, uh, what did you make of that? And has that, uh, you think, uh, uh, for voters out there kind of uh, uh, it's, uh, left a bitter taste in their mouth in some You case? know, I think... I, mean, uh, I, I don't think anybody knows quite what to believe. Right. And, and I think it's already hard for everyday voters to kind of see um, a political process uh, become full of, of, of drama. I mm -hmm. think there's already a, a, a sense um, from some voters that, um, you know, there's cynicism, I yeah. think. And yeah. so it, it doesn't do much to inspire hope right. around our, our, our processes. So there's certainly a lot for folks to 
unpack there. But I am hopeful that uh, people who went to the polls today and earlier took the time to really uh, look at the issues and look at the candidates to see who would best represent them and that they are making informed decisions. Mm -hmm. well, some very interesting uh, races, not just the statewide races, uh, some, some uh, uh, very uh, close uh, uh, races expected here in the city of Boston, Suffolk County, not the least of which, of course, the Suffolk DA's race, the Suffolk County Sheriff's race. There's a uh, Senate race in the second Suffolk. Uh, also, I think the 5th and the 15th House districts are open and have drawn a, a heady crowd. You, you've been in this situation, well, it's been basically about a year ago. You were right in this yeah. spot. It's, it's got to be very difficult when you're waiting to hear the results. Uh, you know, you unfortunately came up just short uh, in your preliminary bid, but uh, what's it like for candidates uh, waiting for those numbers well, to come in? you can imagine. <laughs> I guess if you haven't been there, uh, you can imagine a lot yeah. of nail-biting. Yeah. Um, but if you've done what you've hoped to do in terms yeah. of really getting your message out and connecting uh, with voters, hopefully you can uh, wait with a little more ease. But I don't, I don't know any candidate, no matter, you know, you could have a very strong organization. I think everyone kind of waits with bated breath to see uh, if their hard work uh, is truly paying off. So I know uh, in many uh, different uh, headquarters or uh, election night parties as people are starting mm -hmm. to gather there's a lot of anticipation about today certainly a lot was on the ballot uh, in terms of the future of our commonwealth yeah. and, and the issues that we believe in or that we profess to believe in and whether or not we're going to actually support candidates uh, who would uh, bring those issues forward and, and, and work on those issues uh, is to be seen so Hopefully, uh, you know, we've got a, a good group of folks who will represent us uh, moving toward November. Um, so, and I'm always encouraged by anyone who, who has the courage to run. That Running is, for office is not easy. No, it is not. Uh, you can be dragged through the coals. You yeah. certainly will be scrutinized. It's a lot of work in terms yeah. of getting your, your message out there. Um, especially when um, there are different methods by which people get their, their message mm -hmm. out there with social media now is playing a much right. bigger role oh, very um, and, and digital ads much bigger role I think people are focusing less on mailing um, voters because of the mail-in ballots mm -hmm. people are voting earlier and earlier and so a couple of years ago you could kind of just do all of your mail a couple of weeks before the election right. but now yeah. You've got to make sure you're getting information out to voters in time for those who are going to cast their votes by mail, yeah. in addition to that two week of early voting well, was, that we have. I, I was getting texts uh, uh, exactly. up until about an hour ago. I mean, I, I know how hard you work because you know, we, of course, followed the race very closely last fall. And not to uh, look back, but uh, any regrets about uh, well, how you ran your campaign? Well, we obviously term? wanted to yeah. win. So. <laughs> I mean, and many people thought you would. So uh, I mean, that very the, very tough spot. That you know. that is, you know, obviously, you yeah. know, you want to to be victorious. You know, I am blessed in that I get to continue to do the work that I've yeah. always done. Uh, my work was not just about what I did. You know, mm -hmm. four years in elected office. I built my entire career 
um, around advocacy yeah. and supporting families and, and disrupting poverty. And so I'm fortunate that I get to continue in that work. And uh, all of those who uh, put, put themselves out there, and if they're not successful in this run, you know, I hope that people will continue to do good work uh, for their communities and continue to serve. There are lots of ways to serve. Mm -hmm. Lots of ways to serve. Well, and, and a lot of people voted for you, people, all different kinds of people. But uh, Well, you know, so. Chris, listen, Joe, everyone voted for me. Every time I see someone, oh, everybody, I voted for you. Everybody you talked to. Exactly. Uh, everyone uh, voted for me. But, you know, the, of course, some of the uh, commentary was that if not for uh, more than one uh, candidate, strong candidate, color, especially black candidates, uh, that you might have been in the final, and if you had, you would have, uh, I think most people thought you would have won it. So, uh, any hard feelings about that? Or how, know, how do you, how do you deal all, with that? I, I think. You know, because I know you had to do some endorsements this time around, and I'm not uh, yeah, looking Yeah, you know, I think anytime folks want to run, I'm always that, that person. When someone feels like they have something to offer, um, and they've got a track record on which to run, and they've got good ideas and a vision on which to run, mm -hmm. I encourage that, and so uh, I am proud of what um, I was able to do in last year's election, particularly in communities of color. Mm -hmm. We dominated yeah. Yeah. in precincts, yeah. and so the issue wasn't really for me was the black vote split. Yeah. The issue was what did white Boston do? And I think that is the, the deeper issue that we all have to, yeah. to think about as we think about the future of our city, um, and how far we've come or how far we still have still to go. Still have to go. Well, exactly. I, I think it's uh, fair to say, you know, you certainly made uh, some history in your uh, mayoralship and and, uh, and in many ways kind of uh, led the way. I mean, uh, the city council, a majority of them uh, were people of color and a lot of other changes uh, we started to see. So you have to take some comfort in that. Oh, I'm very proud of the work yeah. that I did as mayor, the work that I did on the council, the work that I did before running for office, and the work that I'm doing now as president and CEO of Empath. So I, I, as I said, I am blessed, mm -hmm. um, and I applaud those who are putting their names out there, oh. are putting themselves out there to run for office. Yeah. It takes a lot to run for office, yes, to put yourself oh. out there, to build an actual organization, um, to have kind of, you know, that vision for what you want to bring and then to distinguish yourself sure. because, you know, the good news, I think, in all of this, um, a lot of great people are running for office. And then how do you distinguish yourself from well, the other well, candidates? Well, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. you were asked to endorse uh, uh, for endorsements, and I know you, you, you did, including in the AG race, but it meant, uh, uh, you know, not uh, uh, endorsing Andrea uh, but uh, uh, Shannon Liss Reardon, how do you make a choice like that? I mean, that's got to put you in kind of a tough spot, to kind of pull you back in when you just kind of uh, are starting to come. Yeah, uh, I mean, you. everyone has to just think about uh, what is important in that particular moment and go with the person who you think is most aligned with what you yep. feel is important. Now, like I said, a lot of people, a great people run for office who have great ideas, and sometimes it's hard to make those distinctions. Um, sometimes it's easier, but even when it's hard, it's, it's important. Um, part of you know running a good campaign mm -hmm. is you are gonna look for those who will endorse your candidacy, right. who believe 
uh, and your vision and who um, are grateful for the work that you've, you've done thus far. And when I think about, you know, that AG's race, I'm particularly impressed with what uh, Shannon has been able to accomplish throughout her career as someone who has done in many ways the work of what an AG does, mm -hmm. someone who is, is fighting uh, for working people, someone's fighting for consumers. Um, and she's built her career on that. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about an attorney general position, uh, in some states, you know, they require a certain number of years. And so right. in some states, Shannon is, is the only candidate right. who would even qualify to be yeah. considered yeah. Uh, to run. And so I think, you know, I'm always encouraged when people put their names out there, and I wish everyone well who mm -hmm. is putting their names out there but sometimes you've got to pick one person yep. you can't pick multiple those people. are the those are the so, hard choices exactly so. unless it's an at-large city council <laughs> race then you can pick multiple people so well um, uh, when you have to pick one i just you know that's you what know, i had to uh, do uh, mayor janey we uh, we miss you i mean we miss you being in office and and thank you so much for coming in tonight and sharing with us and uh, best of luck uh, going forward maybe we'll see you again sometime soon i hope oh thank you yeah. so much always always a pleasure thank you so much right. Joe. when we come back with more of this special edition of talk of the neighborhood some more guests and we're hoping to start seeing some numbers from today's primary election stay tuned for more of this special edition of talk of the neighborhood <music> All right, we're back with this special edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods. Tonight's 90 minutes of live coverage from today's primary election here in the city of Boston. And we hope to have some statewide results for you as well. We anticipate those numbers starting to roll in. And as they do, we will bring them to you. In the meantime, some very special guests joining us tonight to uh, analyze what they saw out there today and what we are likely to expect in the uh, weeks, months, years ahead. Well. And who better to join us than two uh, veteran Boston city councilors who've uh, been around, uh, even though they're very young, uh, <laughs> been around a time or two, and uh, nice enough to come by tonight to join us here on this special edition of Talk to the Neighborhoods. I'm talking, of course, on my right, your left, uh, uh, former Boston city councilor and mayoral finalist, Anissa Isabi George. Nice to have you here. Thank you very and, much for having me. And, uh, of course, uh, former District 6 city councilor and old friend as well, Matt O'Malley. Matt, nice to have you here. It's great to be here with two of my favorite uh, institutions in well, Boston well, politics well, tonight. Oh, boy. Uh, it, maybe that's the emphasis. He's starting early. <laughs> institution is, is right, at least it, in my case, and, and hopefully you're, you will be in the future. But... Uh, uh, but what did you, you see out there today? Anything uh, that kind of uh, caught your eye? Uh, raining, likely to be, I don't know, dampened, yeah. uh, not to use that phrase, the turnout, but uh, what's likely to be the impact? Well, I think we're seeing, sadly, um, lower turnout than we would have hoped. That will be offset a little bit by the fact that many people voted early or voted by mail, so that should buffer something up. But it was a at the polls, a really low turnout. I think some of it was um, obviously the weather played a significant part. Some was the tone and tenor of some of the elections and some of the campaigns that, that had yes. been uh, raised. Um, but I'm hopeful that we will see, um, once all the votes are tabulated in terms of the absentee and mail-in votes, we're going to see a, um, 
a respectable turnout. You know, this is our third election in a pandemic now. Um, and we've seen some, certainly the uh, uh, race Anise was in, we saw a huge turnout. We saw a turnout before that, so I'm hopeful that we will continue that trend. Uh, notwithstanding, well, and I, I think a lot of people are waiting to see what the early vote was and how that might have been in, impacted. I, I think uh, Matt, as usual, being diplomatic, saying uh, uh, some of the races uh, might have turned off some of the voters. Did you? Were you hearing that out there? Well, Anissa? I'd say for as exciting um, as it's become, especially in these last couple of weeks, this race, this cycle has been pretty sleepy up until um, what we've saw in this last few weeks. And it's really hard to tell what impact those mail-in and early ballots will have on tonight's final numbers. But like you say in, in, in the opening, the rain certainly played an impact, I think, in dampening and lowering uh, today's turnout. But I'm always hopeful that um, those numbers will uh, jump up. When I voted today late morning, um, I checked in sort of on the, on the numbers and, and the two precincts that vote out of my place. And they had already put in their absentee ballots. The ballots they had already, oh, they fed them through the right. system. I think it depends on when throughout the day the different wardens were deciding to do that, how that impacts the numbers and the turnout, and how that the, the turnout results over the course of the day. Is it at 7%? Is it at 15%? Have we right. hit 20%? How does that impact anyone else getting out? And we've talked, you know, we'll talk mostly, I think, about the city elections today, what sure, happened yes. here in Boston, but the impact of what happened in Barnstable County. And yes. they're extending their closing, I think, until midnight yeah, this yeah, evening. Yeah. How does that impact how we're talking about yeah. Election Day yeah. today? Talk about uh, uh, ball of nerves, uh, waiting for those uh, numbers to come in. Wow, can you wait another uh, four hours? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we all will, that's yeah, for sure. Yes, we all will. Uh, well, and of course, it depends. Uh, to a certain extent, there's, uh, I'm sure, local races there that it's uh, even more important to. But uh, statewide races, whether it does or it doesn't, uh, will remain, remains to be seen. Uh, what about, though, a, uh, a, when in your race, in the final, it, it remained largely positive. I mean, I think uh, both you and Mayor Wu had a vision and articulated them. Uh, that seems to have gotten lost this time around. Uh, What's changed? Well, I think uh, when you have a little bit of a sleepy race, there's sometimes some desire to create some interest in the particular mm -hmm. race. And with this, what we saw over the last couple of weeks, in particular what was um, in the papers and, and on the news and on social media, uh, certainly stirred um, some serious emotions and some serious questions mm -hmm. about candidates in the different in the different races. And of course, we saw that very in particular in the DA's mm -hmm. race how concerning those allegations are and the role that social media plays in um, sort of continuing that uh, conversation and that dialogue. And I think the very important work of uh, making sure that we are believing women, that we are supporting women, that we are uh, talking aloud about some very serious allegations. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, and, and certainly, of course, uh, you both served with uh, Ricardo Arroyo, uh, you know, albeit uh, briefly, but uh, uh, that's, it, it sets a tone that's somewhere sometimes difficult to kind of get away from and at least the people that I talked to were just like totally turned off didn't know who to believe mm. and yeah. what to what to think of it and uh, what did you see out there Matt and what what do you tell people that are yeah I mean I think you know I ended up supporting and endorsing Kevin Hayden and, and yeah. I hope he pulls it off tonight um, I think they were in as Anissa said incredibly 
um, uh, just devastating allegations, and um, you know we we need to believe victims, particularly brave victims who come forward. Um, and it certainly, um, I think, uh, splintered the city in many ways. So yeah. it remains to be seen what what will happen uh, this evening. Well, and and of course there was also charges that uh, uh, Kevin Hayden looked the other way and an arrest or uh, police harassment case. I don't know what you'd call that. And, you know, in some ways, of course, it's, that's a serious charge anyway, but it's a very serious charge mm -hmm. in a community of color because of the long history of, uh, of you know, uh, harassment, driving while black. You pick, your, pick your tone. Could that conceivably uh, affect the outcome of that race? Yeah, no, I think it absolutely has an impact on yeah. that race. And, you know, I'm um, excited, though, about all of the races that are on the ballot tonight. We, I think we're assuming um, that Mara Healy will be successful sure. in tonight's, in, in, in making it through this uh, primary night. But there's lots of exciting yeah. races on the ballot and a lot for us to look forward to as a city. Certainly the impact of a new governor, of a new lieutenant governor, mm -hmm. of a new attorney general and all of the down ballot races, that impact it has here on the city of Boston. And tonight, the big winners are going to be women across the board. And I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, those results yeah. roll in and, and working towards November yeah. on the next leg of this cycle. Well, and incidentally, we do have uh, some very preliminary numbers here that we can pop up on the screen. And well, uh, Maura Healy is the technically the only candidate still in the race. Sonia Chang-Diaz, her name is still on the ballot. And these are just uh, some very preliminary numbers. And here's uh, also uh, the Republican gubernatorial primary, uh, Jeff Deal, ahead there. And we don't know where those are coming from. It's so certainly it's, an interesting, yeah, uh, you know, I pull a Democratic yeah. ballot. I'm proud yeah, to be a yeah. Democrat. But it's an interesting race to watch on the yeah. Republican ticket. Yeah. Who will be um, yeah. the Republican nominee in that governor's race? And, yeah. and that's been something to watch yeah. in what's been basically a, a quiet election cycle. Right. Uh, especially given the popularity of uh, Charlie Baker. Does that... Uh, transfer to uh, Doty or or how does it affect Deal? Uh, uh, Matt, you've worked very closely with Maura Healy. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's the odds-on favorite to become the uh, next governor. I think that's fair to say, uh, uh, especially if Deal is the uh, Republican nominee. Well, what might we expect if uh, Maura Healy is, becomes the next governor? Our governor? I think she, she is an exceptional leader. She's one of the yeah. finest public servants I've ever known. She is a smart, tough, loving, wonderful person. Mm -hmm. um, and she will be, she has the, the capacity to be one of the finest governors this Commonwealth's ever seen. And I think it's proof positive of the type of campaign she's running. She's been unopposed for quite some time yeah. now for the, uh, for certainly the Democratic nomination. Everybody's pulled out. Yeah. Everybody's pulled out. Um, she has not taken her foot off the brake. She was the only candidate I saw. I hit a couple polls that had coverage at every poll. Yeah. She's been door knocking. She's been having Canvas teams go out and phone banking. So she's taking nothing for granted. And whether it's uh, Jeff Deal or Chris Doty, you know, she's going to continue to take this fight going forward. But I think we should take some pride that that it is quite likely that you know we will elect the first woman as governor in the commonwealth's history another glass ceiling absolutely uh one of the few lgbtq governors in the country um and someone who is going to serve with honor and distinction and that's a that's a great takeaway of tonight well uh, that should be very interesting and of course uh we'll be uh, following that race uh and certainly uh, the race going into November. We've got just a couple of minutes left. I, I got to ask you both about this. You're not on the council anymore, but you know there was a uh, 
uh, a meeting just this past week that uh, got rather uh, nasty and uh, uh, with some racial epithets being thrown and, and out in the halls afterward, some actual violence. Uh, uh, what, did, what did you take off of that? What, what was your thought? Uh, happy to be gone? Uh, I mean, I, I'm oversimplifying. Yes, Don't get me maybe wrong. just a little bit, Joe. <laughs> maybe just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm proud, of, proud of the time that I, I served on the Boston City Council and the yeah. opportunity yep. it gave me to serve the people of Boston to yep. work alongside you know, one of the finest um, right public here. servants I've ever had the, yep. the pleasure to work alongside with Matt on the council, especially in our last year of service together, you were serving as council president and, and the work that we were able to accomplish and the, the, the impact being a city councilor um, that that role allowed me to, yeah. to be in whether it was the education space or the homeless space mm -hmm. or thinking about public safety, thinking about transportation and, and the climate action that Matt led on every single right. day. The opportunity to lead as a city councilor, um, some of this um, very serious deliberation that's happening around some real issues on the council mm -hmm. is taking away from the work that should be happening every day. Has it's, it besmirched the uh, reputation, uh, uh, lessened it? Uh I think in many ways it has, and, and that's been difficult to watch over the last couple yeah. of weeks and the last week in particular, because I, I know the important role that city councilors play every single day for the people of Boston and responding to the crisis at Mass and Cass and responding to buses not showing up on the first day of school, which I worry about come Thursday. Yeah. You know, those are real issues that Bostonians are facing every single day. And when we lose track and lose sight of that very important work, um, we do, I think, in many ways, minimize the power and the impact that being a city councilor yeah. has. Well, Matt, you led the council for uh, the last, what was that, 10 Nine months? months? Nine months, 10 months, yeah. Nine, 10 months. Yeah. Uh, uh, surprised that it would get to that level. I mean, there's always tensions. Of course. Below and listen, the surface. we, we so, remember the yeah, stories yeah. of but long before our time, oh, yeah. but of. Uh, <laughs> I think it was maybe Kitty Craven throwing an ashtray across the Ionella chamber. Right, Apologies right, to right, uh, right. Councillor Craven's yeah, family right, if I right, have that right. wrong. But Freddie, Freddie Langone. Certainly. Uh, there were some characters. And, and, uh, but to Anissa's point, you know, I am incredibly proud of my service on the body. Um, it is probably the most diverse legislative body in the country, certainly in New England. Yeah. I, don't, I would argue within the country. And it's, not, it, it's important work. And oftentimes people would maybe roll their eyes or say there's the city council at it again. But at its essence, these are individuals who represent 700,000 people. Um, and we have to work every day to never, never apologize for passion. People should never apologize for passion. Passion is what we need mm -hmm. in, in public service and authenticity. Um, but finding ways to work together collaboratively because, as Anissa said, there's a number of issues facing this city, facing every city, but particularly now at this moment in time. And, we need to be able to move this city forward. Well, and, and I think, uh, you know, I would say, you know, I, I think uh, we've come so far that uh, the disappointment was that it would you yeah. know, come, to, come to that. And, uh, of course, I, I'm sure there's some regrets involved in that. And, and, uh, but we move on and, uh, you know, uh, got a new uh, group of leaders. Any chance uh, either of you uh, might be coming back? Uh, we love uh, having you here on, on Talk of the Neighborhoods. Uh, Nisa, have you given up on uh, 
elective politics? The give up is not a part of my <laughs> vocabulary. I'm, I'm grateful for this last um, eight, eight or nine months or so that I've had with my family. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to do some substitute teaching, yeah. reconnect with my yeah. family, with my kids, spend some time at the ball field. Okay. I'm looking forward to kicking off the football season but also had the opportunity to go to Poland and to go to Ukraine and to help at the border um, over this last year. And, and that, to me, um, was a really swell way to spend the last period of transition in my life. And there's more great things ahead for me, and I'll put you on the list to let you know when that happens. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping we might be amongst the first to know. And uh, Matt, uh, you're now uh, Chief Sustainability Officer with... Uh, Vicinity Energy. That's yep. it. And, and uh, tell us about that. And, and how, are, how are, I know you're, I see on Facebook you're in, enjoying the time with your young daughter. Yes. Uh, Margo will but, be uh, two this week. Yeah. And as I said, of, of all the titles I ever had or aspired to, as you know, as, and yep. as Anissa knows, yep. as a mom, being a parent is the most important one. Yep. So I've loved every moment. I love what I'm doing at Vicinity. We are literally decarbonizing a district energy system that provides steam to 70 million square feet of buildings in Boston and Cambridge. Um, it will be an absolutely profound way to help uh, lower our carbon intensity and reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. It's what drove me as a public servant and what drives me now in private practice. And it's, uh, it's great to, uh, to be able to continue to serve just in a different capacity. Well, we, we hope to see you around. We hope both of you will come back in whatever capacity. Uh, we will come to, back to talk to, to the neighbors. See you in the neighbor. Neighbor. Exactly. November. <laughs> November. <laughs> I hope so. It would be nice. Anyway, again, uh, Anissa Asabi George and Matt O'Malley, both former Boston City Councilors, uh, veteran political uh, analysts, I think that's fair to say. Thanks for sharing with us tonight. Thank you, Joe. When we come back with more of this special edition of Talk to the Neighborhood, some more guests joining us, and hopefully we'll be start getting some better numbers, and uh, we hope to get not just some, some city numbers and some very special races, also some statewide numbers. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. You don't know what you have until it's gone. It's a brand new world as Boston commuters close in on the first full week without the orange line, seeing less of this and more of this. As shuttle stops, shuttles and biking become the norm in the city, the MBTA is doing the hard work of ensuring the new orange line is worth the wait. If you're taking a new route to work, spending more time in the car, or getting back on a bike, you're not alone. BNN News checked in on residents to see how they're faring with the new changes. It seems like it's going surprisingly well. Uh, the shuttle drivers are actually pretty nice, and the crosswalk people are helping. Um, you know, it adds 10 minutes, 20 minutes to a commute, but if they're serious about the T being better, after 30 days, I guess it's worth it. It's super inconvenient. Normally my commute would be around 30 minutes, 25. Now it's probably like an hour, 25 minutes. The closest green line is like 30 minutes biking away. So it's pretty terrible actually. I don't think I'm gonna be going into work the majority of the week. It wasn't that bad. I thought it was gonna be a lot worse when I first uh, heard about this. I thought it was gonna be much more of an inconvenience. And so far, this is my first time um, getting into work and it's been on time it's been uh the buses were there as soon as i got to the stop and now i'm here it took almost a little bit longer than usual but not too bad it's kind of been the, the line that i've depended on for my couple of months of living here so far so it's a little bit of a disruption and my job starts today <laughs> i'm just glad they're taking care of the problems really 
All right, we're back with this special edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods. Tonight's uh, 90 minutes of coverage from today's primary election. As you can see, we're starting to get some numbers in. Those are statewide numbers for the, uh, of course, the governor's race and the constitutional officers. A little too early to determine exactly how those are going to turn out, other than obviously the uh, Democratic primary for governor, where uh, Attorney General Maura Healy is the presumed nominee. And uh, tonight, uh, as we wait for some numbers, there are some very interesting local races that we're following as well, not the least of which is the Suffolk DA's race, which has uh, turned into a real Donnybrook, I think that's fair to say, and also a race for Suffolk Sheriff, and the uh, possible comeback of Diane Wilkerson uh, to the uh, state senate. Diane is making a bid for the her old seat, the second Suffolk Senate district. Uh, she's got a lot of company that in there, including a couple of state reps and a well-known uh, minister. Um, we want to first go to uh, one of our correspondents, uh, uh, Faith Amafiden, uh, who is joining us from the uh, Campbell. Uh, Victory Party, and she's joining us live via phone. Uh, Faith, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Joe. Hi, Can you nice hear me to see right? you. Nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So, what are you hearing there? Uh, we're we're seeing some very very preliminary results uh, from the statewide races, but uh, what are they saying at Campbell headquarters there? Absolutely. Well, um, here at the Real House Marina Day in Quincy, uh, the supporters and the volunteers are being um, cautiously optimistic here. Um, latest numbers are showing Andrea in actually the lead. Uh, so although they're, they're very excited, the place is about to hit critical mass of uh, supporters. They're also, you know, trying to be careful as it is still early and all of the um, the ballots aren't in yet. However, uh, I've been here for the past hour, and the the amount of support and love in the room is palpable. I actually had to step away because it was so loud. They were so happy. And there are supporters here from all various stages of her, um, of her campaign. I've met people um, who started in February. They've done things such as uh, phone banking for her this week, holding signs in the rain from this morning. Uh, I met a Sonia Elaine earlier this evening who chaired the PAC committee from her first bid as mayor when she ran. So um, an eclectic group of folks here who are very um, eager to see her have a win here tonight. So uh, she's already broken the ceiling as the first African-American president of the Boston City Council. She's hoping that she can add attorney general to that list tonight. Well, uh, we'll be watching that race closely, and and Faith, we want to appreciate you uh, joining us and giving us an update. Uh, if you hear more later, uh, we hope you'll come back and join us again uh, in a few minutes. Uh, thanks again. Again, that's uh, Faith uh, Amafidan. She is the uh, news director here at uh, BNN, uh, Neighborhood Network News, and uh, nice enough to join us live from Campbell headquarters. Uh, thank you, Faith. Absolutely, Joe. My pleasure. All right. Okay, and I, I'm just, uh, my producers are telling me that uh, uh, Maura Healy right now is uh, uh, claiming victory, and uh, no surprise there. Of course, uh, nobody else. There is one other candidate on the ballot, but not much else. Uh, joining me now, uh, live in studio, to 
talk about this uh, to my favorite uh, political analysts, animals? Uh, well, wait, wait a minute, animals. wait, 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 no. Uh, to my favorite political analysts, uh, uh, both uh, with uh, lots of uh, media uh, experience and uh, nice enough to come in and, and join us tonight. I'm talking about uh, um, my longtime friend Joyce Ferry Bo is is here. Uh, nice to see you here, Joyce. Thanks for uh, having me. And from uh, uh, Dig Boston, or is it Boston Dig? It's editor in chief uh, Chris Ferrone is here. Thanks nice for having me here as well. Yeah. Uh, let's start with a. Uh, uh, Andrea Campbell, the uh, uh, Shannon List Reardon, has become a real dogfight. I mean, the polls are showing an incredibly close, and uh, uh, there's been kind of a battle behind the battle, which is for endorsements. And uh, it's kind of interesting how uh, how it's split, including some of her past colleagues. Uh, is uh, a payback a, a payback a, a you know what? Uh, in, in this case, <laughs> well, uh, Joyce, well, you know all of well, these characters, well, and I know you do as well, Chris. Not but, like uh, Joyce. Joyce. Well, but, Joyce well, but I'll tell you something. If Shannon uh, List loses this, there's a record for her. Money can't buy me love. Yeah. Because, uh, and Mara, I'm going to tell you, I love Mara. She's such a stand-up person. And I'm not just talking about when she's, she's running for uh, governor. The endorsement of Ayanna Presley, you know, I mean, everybody had their own texture. Don't right. get me wrong, but she's been a stand-up for who, what she believes in. Regardless, yeah, she wouldn't have had to wade into that race, no. would have she? No. I mean, as no. a matter of fact, the smart money would say, "Stay, stay the out, stay the hell out." Of it, you know? I know. Uh, Chris, what's this? Remain AG. I mean, I, I, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, just no, go I'm straight to the, the top. Wrong, the endorsement, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think for for me, uh, I first I just want to say, as far as the, the the governor's race, I just don't think a, like this kind of coronation is good for anybody. Yeah. And you know, we got some people in the newsroom and. It, uh, or just keep saying like this is this is very Democrat like taking a lot of things for advantage. Now, do I think Deal is going to be governor? No, but I think this is something to watch. Yeah. I, I I don't know what the statewide race is going to look like, uh, and I just want to say her name is, is is Senator Sonia Chang Diaz. We haven't said her name, and yeah. she was still on the ballot today. I was seeing that you know there are some there are some. It'll be interesting to see how many votes she gets, even though yeah. she has not been running for several months. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. Well, that and I, and I should just say a point and. Uh, just popped up on the oh, screen, and uh, not there, but uh, the uh, Republican primary. There it is. Look oh, at that. Okay. Oh, yeah, he might uh, not that, even. And oh, that's five percent. Five percent. Wow. I, what, what I do you just think? think on the Democratic side, though, I just think the fact that there wasn't much of a race. I, yeah. I feel it like wasn't. as a reporter, it's really hard to get people to even pay attention right. to anything else uh, when the governor's race is kind of like yeah. a given. You know, even yeah. the issues. What is? What are people talking about? You know, we, whether we're talking about environmental issues, uh, uh, new prison in. in uh, Central Mass and Framingham. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really you seeing them hear on the table. I want to hear it all. I agree. We're certainly not going to hear that in this final debate. If no. If, whether, no. you know, if deal, especially if deal wins. But, you know, with no major uh, candidate uh, races on the primary ballot, uh, who does that, and, and as a result, probably the turnout is going to be lower, and it rained all day. Yeah, no. yeah. Who does that hurt? Who does that help in this race? Uh, and, uh, you know, as far as Andrea Campbell, uh, you know, some of her former colleagues uh, endorsed her opponent. Uh, how much did that hurt her? Well, first of all, I need to say that I am so proud 
that black women are running for higher uh, offices than ever before. Uh, and I'm talking Tanisha Sullivan, mm -hmm. I'm talking about uh, uh, Andrea, um, that's never happened before. The and way you've been you talking about this for years. Thank you. Well, finally, <laughs> finally, finally when, come to when I ran, well, when I ran Yancey, yeah, that was the first time we had a black person on the ballot. Yeah. And when we were at the convention, we fell short five votes. I had to beg to get the five <laughs> on the right. second ballot. But what I'm saying to you is that, you know, people would say to me, I, I remember one of my friends said, well, you know, somebody said I should come on and be on the ballot with them. You know, it's a big plus for diversity, and that's what they want, but it, it's not for our own empowerment. So I'm so happy that women have broken some barriers here, win, lose, or draw. I'm well, sorry, yeah, and, and we want to just jump very quickly to Maura Healy's uh, statement we have her live uh, from her victory party. Just uh, if we could for a minute or two. And here we are. And uh, who better to join us than Chris Ferrone from uh, digboston.com and, and yeah, the so editor-in-chief. Uh, uh, yeah, what, what, what about Andre? I just want to say, I mean, with, with, especially with that secretary's race, yeah. or the secretary of the Commonwealth race, you know, we're talking about a you know, very difficult, like, who can anybody move Galvin? Now, is it going to happen tonight? We don't know, right? Yeah. This is what we're here for. But I will say this, like, this isn't just like some, uh, this is what I think the electorate needs. This is no matter how good like another white guy candidate would have been, I think this is what it needed to, to shake it up. And we actually saw some interest. We covered this race mm -hmm. pretty extensively. We kind of picked this one because you can't do everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's actually some attention to it. Of course, for us, it's public records, but there's other issues involved too, particularly elections like we're sure. watching tonight. Um, so I just think it's an, that's a, I think that's a race to watch. Any, any other races that you... Uh Think, uh, I mean, I know we're going to have to talk about the district attorney's race. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about we well, I, I'm just saying, you know, I don't know how much time we have yeah. here. We've, We've got, got a few minutes here. I mean, I, I, honestly, what's your, what's your, I, I just, I think yep. it's just, I, I don't want to comment on the specific allegations yep. against either candidate. They're not my scoops. They're the Globes, some mm -hmm. of which came out way too recently for other yep. reporters, I think, to really report on them. But I will say, it'd just really be interesting to see what the, what the electorate decides. I mean, a lot of people, I think, already had their minds made up, right? Also, uh, people forget that this is not just Boston, not like the other yeah. the other cities have too much sway. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, Arroyo wants to kind of, you know, get get through this, get yeah. through it tonight, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's a, it's well, a he real... needs to get through his life. I mean, this is, I mean, once you get into the zone of, you know, you attacked a woman, that's it. And let me just say another thing, because I, I think this is so wrong that you go back to teenage years. I mean, everybody who's anybody could figure out kind of what was going on there with the girlfriend-boyfriend situation. I don't believe for one um, minute that he hurt her 
in any way. And I just think that, you know, this stuff about always believe a woman. Well, I'm a woman, and I don't always believe women. Right. I, did that, I'm just uh, saying uh, that. effectively, uh, in your mind, though, uh, kill yes, a lawyer's chances? Yes, it did. Kill a lawyer's chances? I mean, I think it's very interesting, because I think the, the, the scoops against about Hayden a couple, you know, a month earlier were right. pretty significant. Well, you know, basically really yeah. getting uh, cozy with, with police. And I thought police was a big issue, too. And we, we, uh, not but, as big as sex. But not as big as sex when it comes down to it. So, yeah, I think, of nope. course, it hurt it uh, hurt him. But, you know, I see, you see a lot of people out there kind of still standing with him. And he certainly has soldiered through this so far. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's certainly the race to watch tonight. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, uh, Joyce, we've just got like 30 seconds. Diane Wilkerson, any chance she could make a comeback? Well, yeah, there's always a chance. You know, it's just that you, we have What's to that? get people from you know, living in the past. I mean, uh, everybody wants to, it's been 15 years ago since she's had, you know, there's been, you know, exposés on, uh, you know, people who've killed other people who gotten more of a, you know, uh, chance than she did. And she definitely could. And so could Minyard Culpepper. I don't know about the two young uh women who you know have just state, state been, reps, uh, yeah who've been gave up for their two seat, years uh, yeah you know for two years or, or four years or what have any you. sense of well because i think people i know people in my community want folks to do things okay to help them because we've always get hit the hardest yeah. in the black community yeah. so but you know i wish them well and um you know now, Chris, that would be one hell of a story, wouldn't it, with Di if Diane Wilkerson got... Uh... I, I think, you know, Diane Wilkerson, was, uh, uh, Senator Wilkerson, I should say, was, was always somebody who, you know, you know said stuff, spoke with the press. So, yeah, yeah. it's always nice to have Spoke someone like mind, that in office, yeah. and, and, and whether in office or not, definitely yeah. someone we appreciate, so. Okay, well, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, All right. Joyce Ferry Bow, uh, Chris Ferrone. Thank you. Uh, okay. From Big Boston, thank you both for coming in. Oh, we're waiting for those numbers, incidentally. Very preliminary numbers showed uh, Hayden just slightly ahead, but the numbers were so small, it's difficult to tell. And uh, we'll well, have. He's at 60, and, yeah, and right, uh, right. Ricardo's we'll, at 40. We'll have more uh, as we come back. Uh, and I believe we have a live report uh, coming up. Uh, yep. When we come back, uh, we'll come back with that live report. Stay tuned for this special, more on the special edition of Talk of the Neighborhood. All right, we're back with this special edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods, and tonight we're uh, uh, following all the results from today's primary election. Uh, still waiting for some local numbers here, and uh, very pleased to have joining us live now our BNN correspondent, our man on the scene, who uh, our numbers guy, John Cushing, is live via phone. John, are you there? Joe, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Nice to have I'm you. I'm doing well. Thanks I'm for joining well. us. We've been, we've been looking for some numbers on these uh, local races in particular, and I'm wondering if you, you've been hearing anything, you're seeing anything that will give us some indication. We're talking about the second Suffolk Senate District race. Of course, that's a, a five-way race. Also, two house races here in uh, Suffolk County in Boston itself, the 5th and the 15th, and of course, the DA's race. Everyone is wondering about that. What do you know? What do you hear? What do you see, John? 
Okay. First of all, I know I'm, I'm trying to dry off because it was really wet out there today. <laughs> yeah. God bless you. Okay. So a little, I mean, these are very incomplete numbers. Yep. And you have to also take into effect that in a lot of the wards, the, there were so many mail-in um, ballots that they held them at City Hall and counted them there. When I mean, what I mean by that is they held them up there, and then they're going to add them in. So, for example, in Ward 20, 11 of the precincts had over 200. I believe 200 was their number. So they're not added into this. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take these are these are incomplete numbers. Right. Um, so this, you asked about the suffix, the second suffix. So these are incomplete numbers. It looks like um, right now, I, what I can see is, is very incomplete. Um, it looks like a dogfight. It looks like uh, Miranda, 34, and uh, El Guado, 27, and... Diana Wilkinson, 20. Now, that's very, very incomplete. Um, they're not all in, but that's what I can see. That, so the number I see is uh, is 4595 for Miranda, 3617 for Alguado, and 2275 for Wilkinson, with Culpepper has 1989, 14%. So that's... Is that Very coming out of uh, Ward 20, John, or where? where oh the... no, that's no. You asked about the second topic. Yeah, I'm yes. sorry. Yeah, I don't so know if any part of, of that. Coming out of Ward 20, I, Ward 20, I have pretty much complete numbers without the mail-in ballots. Okay. So in, in Ward 20, basically, what what races do you do, do you like here? Well, uh, what about the DA's race? What are you seeing there? That's of course Ward 20 is uh, typically the highest voting precinct or ward in the city. So. He, DA's up, yeah, he's up about 2,000 here, 38.19 to 18.92. And again, 11 precincts here in Ward 20 are incomplete because their ballots still need to be counted down at City Hall. And uh, uh, any other, uh, of course, they're not in Ward 20 uh, of the House races that we're wondering or following. You, any numbers on those? Suffolk, it looks like, uh, no, very, nothing there, just very little one precinct. And how about uh, the 15th Suffolk? The 15th Suffolk uh, looks like Samantha Montero has got a pretty large lead there, incomplete numbers, but uh, 2362 to uh, 1007 for Longoria, and then the other two further very back. interesting. John, I, if you would, uh, we're running out of time, but uh, maybe a little later, could you check back, especially with the uh, numbers on the DA's race, if you get any additional information? Yeah, sure. And sure. It's, it's, uh, let me just tell you, that's a dogfight. The, the numbers that we have right now, it's very, very, very close. Yeah. But a lot of the wards aren't, aren't in yet. Yep. Um, so that's just that's that's nip and tuck right now with the okay. wards that are in. Thanks so much for joining us, John. Take it easy, Joe. John, John Cushing, our BNN correspondent, joining us now live on set. And uh, a couple of gentlemen who might know something more about these local races, I'm hoping they can enlighten us. Uh, of course, uh, uh, former president CEO of the Urban League of Eastern Mass, uh, Darnell Williams is here. Nice to see you, Darnell, as nice always, to see my you too, friend. Joe. And uh, uh, now the executive director of Progressive Massachusetts Funding, Collaborative. Do I have that right? Just about. Just David about. David Halbert, uh, uh, who uh, ran for the Boston City Council.
came oh so close, and we're hoping he'll maybe try it at some point again in the future. Nice to have you here, David, as well. Always what what can you tell us about these uh, local races in particular? Um, well, I think the first thing you can see, and you know, it was reported just uh, what John was just saying is these numbers, right? You had kind of a confluence of events that were really depressing a lot of things, unfortunately. You had a horrible date right now, the day after Labor Day. You know, as a parent myself, parents are yeah. out getting shoes and backpacks oh, and yeah. thinking about a whole host of other things. You have the weather today. I mean, Darnell and I, I think it's a miracle that we're both here on the set dry yeah. after being out uh, for folks all across the city today. And then, of course, you just had so much noise, right? You know, of course, a lot of the focus on the local side is here on this district attorney's race and everything that's come out about that. But top to bottom, you had that cascade effect from when Governor Baker announced that he was not going to be running for re-election and everything fell into place. So you had so many races where so many people were fighting for attention, it made it even harder for races on the and smaller pay scale. Pay attention, focus. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people, yeah. and Darnell, I'm sure you probably ran into this as well, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how many folks came into the polling location, maybe set on one statewide race, maybe one local mm -hmm. race, but asking questions about a host of others because they were, had no were idea. these other people uh, Darnell, did you get that when you were out there today? Pretty much. I think that, that Dave and, uh, is right, is spot on in terms of the convergence, all the nuances. You had the, the weather probably was the biggest element today. I mean, that rain just came down, and people in Massachusetts don't vote when it rains. <laughs> I don't know why that is. But, but you also you had the, as you call it, the noise, Dave. It's really... It's, it was some nastiness in some of the races. It was the surprise of, as you say, uh, uh, comeback uh, Charleston Blue with one of the other candidates. And so it was, just, it was just a potpourri of things that were happening that was garnering, trying to get people's attention. And so I think that that's where the challenge is. And so we don't have enough numbers to be definitive to call anything because the fact is, is that um, those uh, early votes and absentee ballots are going to be, I recall, the deciding factor. Right. And and it sounds like they're going to be counted, or at least in some instances, after the tallies are, are taken from today's vote. So uh, maybe uh, it could be more than one day before we find out. Uh, based on that lowering of expectations or uh, discussed with uh, kind of the tenor and tone of the, uh, especially the DA's campaign and the rain, who does that hurt? Who does that help in a low turnout uh, primary today? And well, I, I think the biggest issue is that anytime any campaign is going to be three things. There's going to be money and votes. And then today would be turnout. The, the camp that turned out the most voters in this kind of element is going to be where you're going to see the difference in the end run. I think that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. Two years ago, the progressives... Uh, scored some big upsets, including uh, one of the candidates in the Senate race, uh, uh, Nika Alugato, uh, uh, beating Jeff Sanchez. Uh, uh, how will the progressive movement uh, fare today? You get any sense of that? Uh, uh, David, you've been helping through your organization to fund, I'm sure, uh, that effort. Yeah, you know, I think today is going to be a real big litmus test, you know, as with everything else. You know, in action, 
precedes an equal reaction, right? As you said, a number of years ago, we had a really big progressive wave that came in, and there were a lot of elements that felt displaced politically, and not just here locally, mm -hmm. but across the state. I think you're seeing that play out in corners of all across the Commonwealth. What's going to be very interesting is, one, to Darnell's point, who can organize, right? And I think in the DA's race in particular here, the rapid leaving of so many people uh, mm -hmm. and so many particular endorsers. Right, uh, pulling the endorsements. Right, right. Yeah. campaigns. It's going to be a question of, does that push people to the opposite camp in the case of going towards the Hayden camp, or does that depress people and they just stay home because right. of the tenor of this? I think if either one of those things happen, you're probably going to see uh, a victorious district attorney and returning in Kevin Hayden, but I think that if Ricardo Arroyo was able to uh, galvanize his people, and you know, there's been a constant drumbeat mm -hmm. from many corners about individuals feeling that this was an unfair situation, mm -hmm. that this was a distraction from the actual work, and going back from the progressive history books, a lot of people talking about who's going to carry forward the mantle of Rachel Rollins. You go back to when Nika Legardo had scored her that first win that you sure. referenced. Yep. Remember, that night it was Rachel Rollins, Nika Legardo, Ayanna yeah. Presley. Yep. There was not just that, you know, any one candidate, but they all kind of picked up mm -hmm. energy from one another. And Liz Miranda, also who's in the second Suffolk right. race this evening. So the question is, are there those kind of coattails? Uh, is there that kind of community energy? Is there that kind of community sentiment? I don't know if there is, but I think in a few hours we're going to have a better sense of that. And then tomorrow, as with every race, you know, it all starts over again. Some folks are going to be going into the general, but more importantly, on a movement basis, it's going to be a question of looking at who scored what and what kind of direction does the movement need to go forward. Right. Well, uh, and of course, uh, uh, you know, two years ago in the, in the uh, wake of uh, uh, at that point, uh, you know, George Floyd, the movement for racial justice. Uh, has some of that been lost uh, this year uh, because we're so kind of consumed with some of these other uh, issues? Uh, could be something as simple as the orange line running, uh, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm not you know, no, 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 singling no. that out, but just uh, uh, some of the movement that we saw towards uh, some progressive values. And you know maybe uh, you know maybe the pendulum needed to swing back. Don't get me wrong, but has I, it swung I, back a little bit from there? I, I think it's kind of hard to say because we have been so inundated at the national level with the FBI, uh, the the negative blowback against uh, the FBI and law enforcement, uh, the January six and the hearings. I mean, so people were just really so overwhelmed with everything and so then you couple that or the intersectionality of that with the local issues just makes it that some people can just pull back because it's too much, mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. Those of us who are in this space or in this game, this is, <laughs> we thrive for this stuff. Right. We wake up, we read three, four papers a day, we have conversations with folks and we're out there. And so I think for those of us who are considered activists or uh, engagers, we are, this is this is this is our cup of tea, our cup mm. of coffee. Right. But for the regular voter, they just want to know simple things. Do I like this person, or you said uh, David unfair? Right. But this is a blood sport, right. and politics is a, yeah. that's fair can I, game. Can I trust them? And, yeah. We've got just just um, and and here here is some numbers here okay. uh, we're seeing now, and uh, this is I I think this may be uh, in Boston. I'm not sure. 
Uh, I'll find out I, um, that you can see uh, no. uh, Andrea Campbell with a big lead there. Uh, if those are we don't know thoughts. what the percentage of those right. numbers are, right. so and that's the reason com- why we're, where they're coming from. We're being right. uh, guys, uh, we've got just a, you know like a minute or so left okay. in these local races. Uh, some sense of who might prevail? Uh, could Diane Wilkerson make a comeback here? I think that Senator Wilkerson, former Senator Wilkerson, is making, from what we're hearing, uh, a pretty strong showing, which is a testament to a lot of the work that she's done to rehabilitate her image, and particularly with work with the Boston Black COVID Coalition. But I think it's still probably going to be a little too difficult to get people to step over to highly qualified candidates and Representative Eligardo and Miranda before they make that choice. Yeah, I I fully agree. I think that Diane has uh, demonstrated that she still understands the, the nuances of reaching out to the people, but there's also the element of people saying, do I move beyond the past of what she's done and then focus in on the future and do other voices that are at the table or resonate mm-hmm. with them to do that. And any sense of who's likely to prevail on these uh, house races? Uh, in, fifth, fifth Suffolk, the 15th Suffolk? Yeah, I think in the 5th Suffolk. That's you know, Liz Miranda's old that seat. Is, yeah. or, mm-hmm. well, well, currently old currently seat. Liz Miranda's old seat, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in that one, you're likely to see uh, strong turnout teams from what I'm seeing on the ground, what I've heard, from the Cape Verdean community, oh. um, which is very interested in having Cape Verdean representation yeah. in the House, as it should. Right. And, and that would break towards Donnie Tavares. And then the 15th, it looks like Sam Montano is the clubhouse leader between the endorsements, the money that she's received, the organizational support, uh-huh. um, uh, but I think that both in both those cases, you have good candidates. I always right. say some races, it's a yeah. good, bad choice. Yeah. Some races, it's a good or good choice. Right. So it won't necessarily be the brothers Worrell, uh, of course. You never know. You never know. I think that it, it, to me, I'm going to I'm going to hold my cards yeah. because I think that uh, it's too early with all the numbers. So I think Chris may just necessarily take out, even though that the Cape Verdean community may turn out uh, in large numbers. I think the balance in terms of what the rest of the district looks like. In terms of the 15th, I think it's down to Roxanne and Sam. I really think those two. The other two candidates probably are not as, as well organized and well healed right. and focus in on uh, participating. So those, that's how I see it. But it's still too close to call because we don't have enough numbers that we can say if I was 60% of the uh, votes were in, then you can say, you can kind of say which way right. is tipping. Yeah. And to yeah. a larger structural point before we go, sure. though, you know, this really speaks to the need for deeper polling, right? right. And if you're, because in so many of these races, it would be good to have a snapshot of what's happening right. going into them. But once again, to the point that Darnell made, it's about resources and where you can marshal those. Right. And but where, but where people you, don't, most of the people that they poll are not really connected to the people that I talk to at the street level, so they get missed. So sometimes the polls are a misnomer, and we've had several decades now where polls miss the mark. Well, that's, that's certainly the case, and I, I, I don't necessarily think people trust them anymore. Uh, we've got just a minute left, and there's, uh, we've got, this is the 15th Suffolk House. Okay. And you can see there uh, Samantha Montano uh, seems to have a lead there. Again, we don't know what percentage of, uh, okay. Uh, and uh, we're going to have some more numbers in just a minute. But uh, guys, I want to thank you both for being here. Uh, uh, Dave, David Helbert, uh, now with uh, Progressive Massachusetts Funders Funding Collaborative, Collaborative yep. the executive director. Congratulations on that position. Of course, my old friend Darnell Williams. Uh, always a pleasure having you. When we come back with more of this special edition of Talk to the Neighbors, uh, a couple more special guests from the uh, State House who were. Uh, well, they should be celebrating tonight, uh, at least 
they are the odds-on favorite to be reelected. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Talk of the Neighborhoods. It's primary elections in Boston today, but puddles and gray skies greeted early voters at the polls. Nonetheless, a little rain won't deter Boston residents from making their voices heard in several tight races happening throughout the city. From 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., voters can cast their in-person ballots at registered polling locations. BNN News caught up with several voters who shared what issues are most important to them in the September 6th primary. We need more police protection and more time to stop this, more homicide. That's what we need in, in, the, in the people that are killing up unnecessary people for nothing. What I think we need is a um, better sense of community. We need more people to come out and vote uh, to really get their opinions through. We need um, more focus on education and we need more housing um, for um, affordable housing to invite more people into our community. What we really need is uh, clean up the streets here, um, get people homes, a lot of homeless people around here. We need better education, more teachers, better pay for the teachers, uh, and, and, and things for kids to do after school, keep them off the streets and keep them out of trouble. A lot of, a lot of ways to make the community better. I think what we really need is people who are willing to collaborate and work together um, across the aisle, across you know whatever different belief systems to find you know, solutions and, and ways to to make things better for people who live in the city of Boston. Uh, I think right now we need uh, a lot more like after school programming for children. I think uh, a lot of kids right now in Boston are limited with like places to go or like knowledge of places to attend. Um, and that way they kind of get off the street and are able to kind of enroll in extracurricular activities that are ultimately going to benefit them in adulthood. Joining me in this segment, uh, two gentlemen that are celebrating their uh, re-election, well, uh, all but certain to be re-elected, and talking about two uh, very uh, well-known special state reps here from Boston, uh, from the, is it 18 Suffolk? Yes, uh, the, uh, Out in the Brighton, uh, Alston area, uh, Representative Michael Moran, the Assistant uh, Majority Leader in the House, and uh, from the north end of Boston, uh, the chair of uh, House Ways and Means, uh, Representative Aaron Michaelwich. Nice to have you both here. Thank you, Evan. And don't forget, he's uh, he's got Cambridge as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, Michael Moran is like Michael Moran is Cambridge, Cambridge now. as well. Wow, you know. Okay. Yes. How things change, you know. <laughs> you know, Joe. It's, it's uh, Brookline, and then it's been uh, a lot of years, Cambridge. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, uh, what happens if uh, you know the numbers? And maybe you saw something different, showing that uh, on the Republican side it could be a race, and we may. Uh, may not be a while until we find out. Certainly, Maura Healy's uh, 
clearly going to be elected and maybe elected in November. Uh, can you work with Maura Healy, uh, guys? Did you endorse her? And oh, yeah. Your, what's yeah. your sense? No, we, we, we both endorsed her. And, um, yeah, we certainly can work with her. We've been working with her, uh, you know, for the last eight years. Uh, I think she is, uh, you know, if she goes on to win in the final, which I think is, a, you know, a pretty strong case to happen, she is going to be as prepared as anybody that's ever really come into that seat, having been in, you know, as the AG for the last eight years, uh, working with the legislature, uh, you know, passing legislation, mm -hmm. dealing with some budgetary issues. Uh, you know, I think we, we, we feel very comfortable and, and confident that, um, that Moore is going to be a, you know, a great mm -hmm. partner for us. How would she be different than Charlie, working with Charlie Baker? I mean, you guys have, have, have struck up a working relationship with him. I think that's fair to say. Well, you know, um, Charlie is, uh, by any standard, nationally a, you know, conservative Democrat, maybe. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, he has been um, a partner with us, uh, never, never being somebody that is looking to have an antistic, uh, antagonistic relationship with us. Um, but Mara has been the same as an attorney general. Um, so I think the biggest difference will be uh, you know, some, someone once said, show me your budget and I'll show you your priorities. I think Mara's priorities are going to be slightly different than Charlie's would be. Um, and I think she has um, more um, ingrained in her, more of, a, more of the principles that define what it is to be a Democrat. Well, uh, and Aaron, you're the chair of uh, Ways and Means. I mean, there'd be uh, talk about budgetary priorities, not just, you know, your own, but hers. Uh, You've got uh, more than uh, I think anybody ever anticipated uh, we, uh, in revenue to spend. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised by that? And what does that mean uh, for, let's just say, regardless whether who it is, but if it is Healy, in terms of priorities in your mind? It's going to be interesting in terms of what you know she focuses on, uh, you know, as governor. We certainly have uh, a lot of revenue, uh, you know, up, a huge uptick over the last couple of years. Uh, very surprising if you went back to when COVID first started, mm -hmm. where we thought we were going to be. Yeah, we, we are. Yeah, everyone thought the you know, the roof was going to fall on in on us, and uh, now we're in a much different situation where revenues continue to grow, even though uh, we do definitely have still have some huge gaps. Uh, within our, uh, you know, our ec economy and our ec economic growth. The, uh, for more, I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, we obviously have a huge uh, challenge in front of us with the MBTA, and that is going to cost money. These safety uh, uh, reports that the FTA is uh, working on and working through and has put out is going to cost a significant amount of money going forward, and that's going to, you know, eventually fall at Mora's uh, footsteps, uh, you know, in terms of dealing with that and then obviously working with us. And then also there's other big, you know, issues like early education. Uh, we have a huge uh, early education gap and, um, and a commission report that came out in March uh, is something that we're, we are still, mm -hmm. you know, going through and trying to figure out what's the appropriate ways to do it. But Mora is going to have to, like, you know, lead the way uh, coming from the administration side of it. Well, and what about the, uh, this uh, legislation requiring uh, uh, the Commonwealth to give back uh, additional revenue uh, that wasn't really fully dealt with. I think that'd be fair to say. What what was the decision that the speaker said? Uh, you know, he wanted to hold off on an economic development package and and maybe some of these other priorities. Uh, what was is that uh, going forward in your mind? And w what will that the impact of that be, Michael? Well, on, it's funny. On, I was I was watching on these priorities. I was watching another station, not this one. Yeah. And one of the uh, consultants, Republican consultant, Rob Gray, um, said he was shocked at the governor 
because the governor wants to apparently spend some of that money yeah. and also give a tax break. Um, I think the House's view on this, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but is that the law is pretty clear that this is supposed to return back to the taxpayers. Whether it be rebates, whether it be checks, that's something we can have a discussion mm -hmm. about, but it has to go back to the taxpayers. And, uh, and kudos to uh, the Speaker of the House and uh, particularly Aaron when it came to you know, this budget process over the last two years during COVID. You know, there was a time when the paper of record in this Commonwealth uh, was saying that um, we should do a budget, we should do a budget. Governor was saying we should do a budget during COVID. It was the House, particularly the Speaker of the House and the Chairman of Ways and Means that said, hey, slow down. We don't know what, what's on the horizon when it comes to our budgetary problems. And you know, we held back on doing a budget. It turns out by most experts and most people that have knowledge in this area that we were right. And, uh, and right now, in this situation, we were getting some pushback on not doing an economic development bill. But how do you do an economic development bill when you don't know the, 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 whether we, this, this tax give back, which is you know, upwards of $3 billion. Right. How do you, how do, you do an economic right. development bill when, <laughs> when you don't know if you have to give $3 billion back? Right. You know, so, so I think the House, as it's been in the past and probably will continue to be, uh, will be the f fiscal watchdog right. and, and try and put the, the state in a position um, from a budgetary perspective where we can, we can pay for our priorities but also save for, you know, problems down the road. How long do you wait and are you prepared, uh, which, whichever way the uh, decision goes, whether you have to give that money up or, or are you allowed to targeted towards uh, priorities. No, I mean I think the the letter of the law says you have to, we have to uh, yeah. we have to give it back and um, there's no question about it. I think Maura actually in her victory speech tonight mentioned that it's not our money. Uh, it's the three it's three billion dollars of the taxpayers that's owed and, and that we yeah. should be giving it back. Again, how, what the mechanism is of how it's given back is still up for determination. Whether it's a credit or a rebate, um, whether it's a check in the mail or something, someone's going to have to file in April. The, yeah, we still have to figure out exactly that's you know what's the proper do, to do that. But we can still we're still going to do an economic development bill. So that, that's yeah. likely to come. Yeah. Unfortunately, guys, we're out of time tonight, and uh, uh, I'm hoping you both come back uh, for another show because I want to talk about that, that bill. Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, I should mention to our viewers, the AP has just called the Attorney General's race for Andrea Campbell, uh, and so uh, we still don't know the outcome of the DA's race, although uh, Hayden was ahead at the last counting. And uh, unfortunately, we're out of time for the other show. Am I, am I uh, right over here, the Hayden people? I talk to them and they think it's a comfortable win. Comfortable win for them. Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Sorry we cut you short. I'd love to talk. Thanks. Representative we'll, Michael we'll Moran, Representative Eric Michaelwitz. Uh, you're watching Talk in the Neighborhood. It's here on the BNN. Thank you for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617 708 3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.